G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz with episode 108 of the Outback Mind podcast. Thank you very, very much for listening in once again. Uh, I have Adam Selwood on with me today. Adam Selwood is a Bendigo boy uh, from country Victoria. Bendigo is a, a large regional town uh, in the centre of uh, centre of the state. There, uh, Adam is uh, one of four brothers uh, that all, all played AFL football. Um, uh, and Adam come from the Bendigo Pioneers program, went into uh, the system via the West Coast Eagles, played 187 games for the Eagles. I think he played in the 2006 grand final. Uh, also played for for Australia uh, in the international rules series as well for a few years. Uh, yeah, look, you know, I love being able to talk to guys like uh, like Adam from the bush uh, about their up, up, uh, upbringing, their experience uh, growing up in that area and sort of transitioning into uh, mainstream life, uh, albeit professional sport, which he did and uh, his experience through that and how it was for him to be able to go from, you know, a, uh, well, a reasonably large country town, but from a country environment, a supportive family into uh, an AFL system and obviously being part of the Eagles' um, success through that period of time, which I'm sure he's going to uh, fill us in uh, uh, in detail uh, about. And I think that um, yeah, his, his journey um, is quite unique. He's doing some wonderful things in the, the health scene and so forth and has also coached and so forth. Um, uh, uh, prior to be uh, be being uh, finishing up as a player, so um, got lots of experience managing men as well as uh, also being uh, a contributor as a, as a footballer. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy our, our conversation. Uh, just want to make a special mention to our primary partners, Green Green Nutritionals, who provide green organic superfoods. So if you are lacking something in your diet, please support them. Check them out. Uh, their products are organic. They're non-synthetic. Uh, they're very very good for us. So. Please check out their website, greennutritionals.com.au, Pure Life Sprouted Bakery, who provide organic sprouted bread. So when grain in bread is sprouted, the digestion process in our body process in our body works a lot better. We don't get bloated and so forth as much. So uh, really love what they do. Their products are available all around Australia. Uh, purelifebakery.com.au, please check out their website. Also, if you're looking to employ staff, you're looking to partner with a, a really ethical employer, I really encourage you to check out MacForce Australia, uh, doing some wonderful things in the employment sector, being able to change people's perspective and the way people are employed throughout the country here. So um, really encourage you to check out their site. If you are looking for work or you are looking to employ someone, uh, it's macforce, M-A-C-F-O-R-C-E.com.au. All right, hope you enjoyed this conversation. Please share it with others that uh, you may feel find, uh, may find, feel, oh, you know, you know what I mean. That may that may find it helpful. I reckon that's going to be a pretty uh, pretty awesome chat. This one, Adam Selwood, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast. Thank you, Aaron. It's uh, nice to be here and look forward to the conversation ahead. And um, yeah, hopefully the listeners do as well. Mate, you you're sitting in a donger in uh, in the middle of WA. Is that right? I am. I'm about fifty kilometres out of Leinster at a uh, mine site called Thunderbox. So um, very remote at the moment, uh, but been in the uh, the mining game for about nine months now, and really enjoying it. Being able to pass on some some messages about health and safety, um, and levels of leadership and understanding yourself better. So. Um, yeah, a long way from Perth, a long way from my family, but uh, I get to see them tomorrow night, which I'm looking forward to yeah, as well. Awesome, and, and people in uh, in country areas would know Thunderbox as being an outside toilet, I would have thought, but yes. uh, that's, that's what it was in the old days, but uh, it's good to see they've named the town after it, so... Yeah, well, uh, I'm sure there's a few thunderboxes around here as well, so uh, <laughs> that's might have been where the, where the name has come from, but uh, this is my... My first site, uh, my first trip to this site, but um, I've seen a few different sites over the last nine months, so it's, it's good to keep comparing, yeah. you know, different places operate. Do you find that um, uh, a lot of the guys are really receptive of having you on site there because you've obviously played AFL footy and you've got uh, a bit of a profile with what you've done and what you've achieved and so forth? Uh, it's definitely well received. It's um, we've got a lot of rugby uh, supporters out here as well, but 
I guess with uh, Burncut, the, the company that I'm working with at the moment, uh, the, to be able to bring people in from a sporting background, to, to understand the landscape of mining or, or underground mining, but to be able to connect the lessons and uh, the teachings through you know, different experiences and platforms is really good. Mm. Um, and we do have a lot of you know, West Coast diehards out on site, so... I get a couple of double looks and it's like, you know, what are you doing out here? <laughs> but, um, they're fun conversations to have. Oh, no doubt, mate. And it would be good because, it, yeah, it sort of breaks up things for guys and, and you can obviously bring in a lot of your uh, knowledge and experience and wisdom as a player but also what you've learned managing guys since then and also being able to uh, bring in some, some wellness techniques which could be helpful for them. Oh, definitely, and and there's some stuff out here that uh, they're doing really well. So, I think um, coming from high performance sport for many years and and levels of leadership, it's been good and, and quite refreshing for me to move into another industry and, and gain some experiences where, you know, it's very prestigious dri- driven out here on site. But um, what they do, they do well, and it's, it's quite effective, and it's worked for for a long period of time. So I've definitely learned as much as what I've probably been up pass on. Yeah, good to good to hear, mate. So so good to see that things are changing in that space, and I'd love to talk to uh, to you more about your upbringing. Obviously, coming from Bendigo, uh, which is not far from where I'm from in Horsham, but uh, uh, it would be great to sort of get a bit of a snapshot of, uh, of what that was like for you and some of your memories. Obviously. You know, growing up uh, inside and outside of sport and, and some of the things that you took away from living in that environment. Yeah, look, uh, wonderful memories uh, from Bendigo, my childhood days. I, I was born um, in Bendigo and uh, spent, obviously, my first 18 years there. So I uh, had the brothers. We were a very sporty family. Um, we, we grew up in Strathdale, which was a uh, up-and-coming suburb at the time, and, and now it's obviously fully developed um but yeah wonderful uh, opportunity where uh, the town was big enough where we, when we played sport we always felt there was strong competition around mm. um we, we played uh basketball athletics cross country football tennis uh, we ended up getting a tennis court in our backyard <laughs> to uh i think dad didn't want to mow the lawn but <laughs> yeah, uh also to uh create whatever game we wanted to uh, within the street. So uh, we, we had the tennis court, our neighbours had the pool, we traded off to say the gate's open, you guys can use the tennis court as long as we can jump in the pool uh, whenever it's hot. And uh, look, I, I've got great friends uh, from Bendigo that I still stay in touch with today, some of my primary school mates that I went to St. Teresa's with. Mm-hmm. I still uh, text and, and call uh, monthly and uh, check in with how they're going. So uh, wonderful upbringing and uh, one that I look forward to obviously getting back to the town in in the coming years. But it has been a while since obviously COVID and uh, a a growing family over here in the West. So I haven't been back for a a number of years now. Mm, Yeah, it's tricky for me too. I'm in central Queensland and I can't get back there obviously uh, either. But uh I'm in constant contact with people back there, you know, trying to help people out that are, that are struggling and uh, also, uh, you know, trying to do what I can to support wellbeing in, in the area. And uh, that's one of the challenges about living in a rural environment sometimes. You're a bit isolated from from the, the, the supports that you, you may get in, in other areas. But Bendigo, I suppose, is, you know, pretty well a, a large city now. So it's got uh, lots of facilities and, and things to do. And, um, mate, it would have been a tremendous place to, to be brought up with regards to footy, you obviously got into the um, uh, into the TAC Cup and that. What was it like before then? You were playing like at a junior level for a club there? Yeah, so I, I started uh, my junior football with St. Teresa's um, in the in the under-12s or, or went through Auskick and always loved our footy. It was always the number one sport within the family, but uh, started playing... Uh, with St. Teresa's and, and then progressed on to the Kennington Sandhurst Junior Football Club. Um, we played there with Troy and, and was in a team with Nick Del Sano and, and Rick Ladson. So we actually had quite a talented team, um, you know, going through those junior years. And then as I sort of hit my adolescent years, um, you know, the ages of 15, 16, 17, the Bendigo Pioneers program started to kick off and uh, involved with that. 
um, played some under-18 football with Sandhurst in the Bendigo Footy League as well. And I guess it all happened pretty quick for me. I, I sort of uh, played some football with Pioneers in uh, my 17th year as an underage. I played in the grand final that year, uh, which was uh, against the Calder Cannons and Dane Swan and James Kelly and, and all those guys, David Roden. Yeah, right. Played quite well in that game. Like I, I think I'd only played about five or six TAC Cup games, and I was eligible for the draft. And there was sort of a, a bit of a whisper that I might have gone late in the draft uh, in 2001. But fortunately for me, I feel uh, being involved or staying back in Bendigo, having another year, completing my under my year 12 studies at Bendigo Senior. Um, and sort of being around family a little bit longer enabled me to yeah, have a strong enough season to uh, get recognised by the West Coast Eagles. And uh, before I knew it, they'd picked me up. I was on a flight over to Perth and I've never returned home. Mate, what was it like? Like, honestly, like coming from a country town and then all of a sudden having to go on the other side of the, the nation, you know, into a new environment where you knew no one. What, what was it like? Did it really knock you around or did, did you embrace it pretty well? Um, look, I went into the draft fully knowing that uh, it was a national competition and there was 50% chance that I could get drafted uh, interstate. Probably even leading into the draft, I knew West Coast had some strong interest in me. So there was talk that the Essendon uh, Bombers, who were aligned with the Bendigo Bombers at the time, wanted to pick up either Troy or myself with a pick in the 20s um, if, we were the, if we were available. So Troy was sort of touted as a first-rounder and, and I'd been injured a little bit in my 18th year, so I was expected to go a little bit later in the draft. Um, but I thought, oh, well, I might be... Um, if Troy gets picked up before that Essendon pick, it doesn't look like I'm going to be moving too far and I'm still going to be playing some footy on the QEO. Mm. Um but, yeah, they didn't pick me up. They uh, picked up a, a, a kid who I think played two games for them and uh, I slid in the draft to, to the 50s. But, mm. look, uh, I was prepared for it. Perth was a great adventure. I, I got drafted with some interstate players and Brent Staker and Paul Johnson and, you know, we lived out the dream together. We were all really close mates and obviously went through periods of homesickness and uh, selection challenges. But... That was all part of the fun, and um, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Yeah, mate. It's interesting. Um, yeah, you, you were pretty mature. Like back then, there was a lot of guys who got picked up that really struggled, you know, that, uh, that moved into state. And, and we never really talked much about mental health back then and, uh, and what that, what actually, what, what, it, what it was. But, uh, you know, to sort of like, you know, look back on a lot of those guys that, uh, that did uh, struggle, um, you know, I think you were, you were pretty lucky because you had a, a good foundation and a, you know, a good family that was able to support you. And obviously their program over there was, was pretty good to be able to integrate new people from uh, other states into their program. Yeah, I was really fortunate. I, um, look, yeah, my family in terms of uh, well-being and, and structure around me, knowing that I had always a caring and loving family that you know, would uh, jump on a plane whenever they needed to or if they had to uh, was was really comforting. And mm. I guess the transition into Perth, being an 18-year-old and just finishing school and not knowing anyone, um, I, I was set up with a host family in Perth. So they, an older couple who their, their daughters had grown up and they started to get married. So I was living five minutes away from the club with a lovely couple who I still stay in touch with today. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they brought me into the family. They cooked me uh, for me. They supplied for me. They took an interest, and I guess being one of four boys, where you had to fight and scrap for any uh, <laughs> piece of food or biscuit in the pantry, <laughs> to then uh, going to a family where you had this array of food just supplied for you and um, a level of pampering. I um, I quite enjoyed it for the two years, and, mm-hmm. and then I thought I'd better move on, but. Uh, it was fantastic support and, and something that obviously helped me mentally with the transition to from one side of the country to the other. Tell me, so your brother got picked up that same year? Yeah, Troy. So he was picked up um, by Brisbane and, and they had a different strategy, which, you know, it was they had their own reason, reasoning behind. But I guess he moved in with a, a player, a senior player, um, for a period of time and then he sort of... Uh, found his feet with other younger players in his first year. They, they rented a house. But 
I must admit, I felt my stability um, in terms of, you know, what I needed to focus on, uh, the care that I had around me and I guess just even an outlet from football, it, it was quite consuming being an 18-year-old and doing football training and playing every day. So mm. to have a family that you could just sort of get home to and talk about other things that are going on other than just the West Coast Eagles or the Brisbane Lions yeah. was definitely something I felt um, allowed me to just have some composure with um, what I was doing uh, each day. Switch off, that's it. Make, make a huge difference, definitely. It's funny, um, obviously, because Brisbane were pretty successful through that period. You know, they, they won the premiership sort of leading up to when you were drafted and going into that system for your brother would have been pretty uh, pretty unique, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, he, he may have struggled possibly um, by the sounds of it, uh, sort of integrating into that program. Oh, they were very established. Um, you know, you think of back then in the early 2000s, you had, you know, the Vosses and the Alistair Lynches and Mel Michaels and Justin Lepiches. They were probably late 20s and early 30s, really, obviously achieving all the success um, that the Lions did in that period. So, yeah, a lot of challenges for Troy, obviously trying to work his way into a really successful period of Brisbane's um history and and then also not really having the outlets that I was I was provided with definitely um I guess challenged him to some degree but also allowed him to grow up pretty quickly because when you get thrown in the deep end and, and things are difficult you you've got the option sometimes to sink or swim and mm. he was able to paddle around for a while yeah good stuff and obviously for yourself and like your twins so being separated for the first time I remember watching that and, and hearing about it, at, uh, you know, uh, at the time myself, um, thinking, geez, it would have been tricky to be to be able to, to be apart, um, you know, really because you'd been together for so long. Yeah, well, funnily enough, in high school for four years, Troy and I were actually separated in schools and uh, that was a family decision where we got through primary school and we were obviously you know good mates but wherever we went whether that be with sport uh you know sleepovers or just birthday parties and the like that uh, you always had your brother with you and i guess in some twin relationships uh that that's what they love like they, they love that extra support or um person around them but when it came to sport and a few other things we were being compared quite often and um so I, I felt that I would like I wanted to go to Catholic College Bendigo with my schoolmates at St Teresa's and Troy decided to spend some time uh, at Flora Hill, which then we progressed on to Bendigo Senior when we got to Year Eleven and Twelve. So mm. we we had our own identity. Uh, we played sport together during Year Seven to Ten, but we had a level of independence by the time we got drafted. So I guess when we went to West Coast and Brisbane. It was a good thing that we both got drafted into state at the same time so we could compare, you know, and, uh, what was in front of us um, and, and provide that support. But in terms of the, the twin relationship, it was probably something that w- wasn't too much of a barrier for us because we, we'd been in that space before and we'd come to accept it, which was a good thing. Mm-hmm. No, it's just so mature at that age, you know, to be able to, to get to that uh pretty quickly and, and sort of, you know, understand where you're at. So, you know, full credit to your parents for actually seeing yeah, that early well, on, you know. Yeah. Well, we didn't know whether we were going to be drafted or drafted into state, but I think at the time it was just a, a gut feel from the parents and having a conversation and, you know, it, it may not have worked out, but it was one thing that we, we thought we'd give it a go for a year and um, so that was in year seven and, and it worked quite well and... So what happened, yeah, Troy went to Flora Hill and I went and played junior football at Kennington Sanders with his mates and then he, he obviously knew all my schoolmates from primary school. So in the end, when we got to year 11 and 12, we all sort of combined together anyway. Yeah. Um, it was uh, it was something at the time, now when I reflect back on it, it was uh, definitely helped make us who we are and obviously the... I guess the achievements we had in life uh, could come down to those four or five years that we spent in high school. Mm, amazing, mate. Yeah, that's uh, that's so um, so much of a blessing. You know, those formative years to have that sort of structure around you. That's yeah, that's that's amazing, mate. Uh, really, really pleased yep. to, to to hear that because it's not something that. Uh, that, that I would have uh, expected. I was expecting you to say, oh, yeah, we went to school together, we played footy together, and it was tough, 
you know, so uh, it was, uh, was yeah. really pleasing to hear that you've had that sort of uh, framework set out for you. So when it's you... quite interesting, though, that, uh, you know, when we I've spent so much time apart that there's people in Perth when they meet Troy, you know, all these years on, uh, as much as there's differences with the way we look now, but um, there's just some mannerisms or, or even our interests, you know, like we've gone on and we've studied the same degree, we've got the same real probably interests in, in life and sports. So as much as you can take the boys out of the school together and uh, <laughs> on op- op- sides of the country, uh, that strong connection is still there and um, the DNA will uh, never leave us. Yeah. He's still in Brisbane now? Uh, he's in Geelong. Geelong. He moved. Right. Yeah, he moved back to Geelong post footy and uh, had been involved with the Cats for the last ten years. Yeah, unreal. There you go, mate. We'll we'll talk more about your brothers and so forth as as we go along here. But um, you you were in the system there for a couple of years, sort of playing a few games in your first year or two. Then you sort of hit your straps in two thousand and five. Is that right? Yeah, I, I, my first full year, or where I, I think I played about twenty odd games in two thousand and five. So. Had a taste in 2003, uh, was able to get my debut after nine times being an emergency, but uh, debuted and, and played in a final in my second game, which was unbelievable. Mm. Um, and then I was struck down by injury in 2004, but after that uh, two-year period, I was, I was off and going and quite determined to make a career for myself. You come good. You didn't, you didn't fear about being cut or delisted then? I... Uh, not at that point. I think I signed a contract mid two thousand and four. You know, everything was going quite well before I, I got hit with the osteitis pubis, yeah. um, the growing pain sort of um, issue. So uh, it wasn't through, I guess, um, lack of games. If I probably didn't get injured in two thousand and four, I would have played another ten or fifteen games. But. Uh, West Coast had enough faith, they saw enough in me and uh, signed the contract and yeah, fortunately for me, the, the first year I played fully in, um, we were able to make a grand final, so that was really special. Unbelievable, mate. Tell me um, uh, a few of the guys that were in that side. No, uh, well, we, in terms of the midfield, uh, it was very star-studded. Uh, other than the role player myself, but um, <laughs> we, we had cousins Judd Kerr starting. You had Dean Cox, Emberley, um, you know, down back. Darren Glass was was you know, four or five time All Australian. David Wirrapunda, mm. um, Ashley Sampy was playing really good footy in a high draft pick um, back in those days. So a lot of talent. Um, but we, we'd gone through a pretty rough period just before I arrived to the club. We, we were coached by Ken Judge and, and we were down the bottom where it allowed us to get Chris Judd in the draft and, and a few others. So there was a fair few of us obviously breaking into the league at the same time with, with talent um, and with a lot of ambition to ultimately achieve success and capitalise on some of the players that were already there in the squad. Mm. Mate, um I don't want to get too uh, deep into what it was like with regards to uh, winning a premiership, but I'd like to talk about, obviously, uh, there was a bit of a party culture there with the club and uh, a lot of the boys, you know, uh, you know doing, doing some pretty unbelievable things there. Were, were you sort of part of that or you sort of kept, kept, kept separate? No, I, I was pretty separate. I had a really strong uh, group of mates at the club that uh, we we were you know, making it into the league at the same time. And, um, yeah, look, there was. There was there was people that were doing their own thing. And uh, I guess I learned a lot through that period that although, you know, you, you can have the values of the team and, and an organisation, but if you, don't, if you don't believe in them personally or, or live up to those standards as an individual, that's... Success can be short-lived or, or sometimes you just don't achieve success. Um, you know, fortunately for us, we were able to still play a lot of good footy. But um, for me, I, I was really um, fortunate that I had, you know, people like Jamie Graham and uh, Matt Rosa and mm. uh, Brent Staker, Ash Hansen that I was really close with. And, you know, we just 
stayed focused. We had a good time ourselves, but um, it was definitely nothing that was uh, illegal by any means. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that would have been good, solid individuals to be around. But it's interesting, like, you know, hearing you say that because I can remember times being in a team, but also in the workplace when you've got a, a team of, you know, people, say, doing the right thing, for example, but then you've also got others that are that are, that are, that are at risk, you know, they're, they're doing things which are not healthful and then that can put them uh, as individuals at risk, but that can have a tremendous effect on, on the structure and, and fabric of, of, of a team, not so much for, from, a, from, a, from a performance point of view, but also from a reliability point of view um, as well. Was there any of those sorts of doubts going through your mind while all that was going on? Oh, look, there, there was. It was um, it was one where it was became quite distracting uh, as a group that was out there. And, and, look, we were really well connected out on the field. But there was no one that showed up that didn't train hard, mm. um, prepared for a game to, to obviously uh, what they needed to to go out and play. But I, I must admit there were, there was times when I used to, uh, you know, show up at the football club. There was media, a swarm of media out the front of the club. And I'd have to sit there and turn on the radio um, you know, and to be on a Wednesday and and understand what's actually happened before I could get out of the car and, uh, you know, cameras ring your face and microphones and, and you know, you, you're trying to either walk through the scrum of media mm. or um, give some sort of straight answer in terms of what has happened and where the club sits. So mm. Mm. I, I felt, uh, I guess, at some stages disappointed, but more disappointed for the individuals because we had such a wonderful team. The club was doing everything it possibly could have uh, at that stage to understand the truth. But um, I guess we were living in a world where back then there was no camera phones and videos and mm. Instagrams, TikToks, all this sort of stuff. That If that was in place in 2006, 2005, I think some of the stuff that the, the guys got away with uh, definitely wouldn't occur in today's environment. <laughs> yeah, I reckon. And a lot of the stuff that I got away with when I was a young fella uh, too, uh, you know, I, I never got uh, anywhere near what those guys were doing. But, uh, geez, there was, um, there was some, uh, some, some significant things going on through that period that we were exposed to. But uh, I suppose that... Um, uh, you know, it could have been amplified a lot more if the technology was around like it is now. Oh, definitely. And I started to see that a lot as my career went on, that um, the more you're out, you know, in the public and, and even you know, if it was a celebration and the like, that you, every now and then you could just see cameras start to appear and, and you could see that people were taking a photo before then they started filming stuff. So, um, yeah, it... It was an interesting time because, you know, John uh, Worsfold and, and senior leadership at the club would obviously bring in some people that they were hearing rumours about in terms of, you know, where they'd been and what they'd been up to or some, some stuff that had gone on potentially legally. But um, the truth never was probably told because uh, the evidence was really hard to get. So, mm. yeah. um, look, you know, the, the people, though, like my teammates were, were fantastic people. I, I think some were obviously influenced um, by certain individuals and, and there were others that were just wired and structured a certain way that they were very um, committed uh, to their to their football, mm. but also what made them great in that regard also went into their, their everyday life yeah. and, and they almost had this addictive behaviour that sat behind them. So... Um, yeah, I think Ben was quite, it was quite obvious and illustrated in his book that uh, he, he would train as hard as he could, but then he wanted to party just mm. as hard or even harder. So yeah. yep. that doesn't really work because at some stage you need to sleep and you need to rest and recharge. But uh, I don't know how he how he's able to get away from it, get away with it. Oh, mate, there's been lots of guys come on this podcast that are of the same mould, you know, that, that, that have this unbelievable talent. Unfortunately for some of those guys, they never reached their potential like, you know, Ben did or, you know, possibly could have got a lot further with that. But, but you know, in its essence, mate, it's that reward uh, that, that the people chase, which is the, um, you know, fair enough, I've, um, I've partied hard, but I'm going to train hard just to make sure that when I do it again, it's going to feel good and, and I deserve it, you know. Um, 
I reckon if you're you're training hard and you're looking after your body, then 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 your mental health is going to be better. Uh, you're not going to be as uh, imbalanced. But you know the guys that are the guys that are constantly chasing that high. That high is coming through athletic pursuits and um, and you know pushing the body to to gain endorphins. But when they're off the field. To avoid feeling depressed, they'd actually go and chase that high through amphetamines or, or other other methods. Yeah, and, and look, it was definitely the case uh, in Perth. I, I didn't understand. I was I was twenty two at that stage. I guess when we win premierships and the like, so I was sort of um, quite green and, and naive and still still a baby essentially. But I do look back at that period, and although we did. Uh, win a premiership and, and we're almost we're very close to winning a second one in 2005 but I felt um, it was a period of our, our history that we should have definitely been in one or two more grand finals mm. uh, and whether we win them or not there was obviously a lot of good teams around in, in that period but um, yeah I, I think we just expected that we, we were able to get away with it we were making grand finals uh, things were still looking good but once we uh, got through the 2007 year, and in 2007 we we're playing some of our best football, and that was when Ben Cousins was over in LA and, and had a mm. rehab clinic for the first seven or eight weeks, and then he came back. We, we were flying with mm. our performances, and we still had Ben to add into our mix. Mm. But um, we made the top four. We, we sort of stumbled in. Juddy started to get injured, and Daniel Kerr did his hamstring. I know Daniel Kerr did his hand and hand injury, Ben did his hamstring, and we got bundled out in, in straight sets. And after that year, the the downfall was very sharp, um, and we were all sort of looking around going, geez, what's happened? But ultimately we knew it, all the off-field indiscretions, and um, obviously Juddy went back to Victoria as well. It had caught up with us, and uh, we needed to rebuild again. Mm, yeah, yeah, amazing, mate, isn't it? And you look at some of the like I'll just get off track a bit. But you look at some of the clubs that uh, that sort of have like like years of success and then they sort of fall off the perch. But it's so hard to maintain that level of um, I suppose wouldn't say professionalism, but but like uh, sustainability to be able to be at the top consistently. You know, and um, uh, it's interesting. You were at the Eagles for like, like twelve years as a player. Is that right? I uh, played eleven seasons for them. Eleven, yep. so so you you had that glory early on, then you sort of plateaued quite a bit uh, after then. Yeah, well, I saw the top and I saw the bottom. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I was part of West Coast one and only wooden spoon. And to be honest, um, so when I get introduced uh, these days, and if I'm doing a, a speaking engagement, that. Uh, you know, it's Premiership player Adam Selwood, but I also bring to the attention that I'm a wooden spoon player. Mm. And uh, just as much learnings come out of when you're at the bottom um, and things are hard and obviously as a team you're not gelling. There's, there's a lot of things internally that you need to keep developing and, and evolving and improving with. Um, and then as the new wave of players come in, it's ensuring that you, you set up a culture where... It, the standards are set and, and you know and they know what to deliver upon mm. um, and, and I guess when we're at the top I sort of use the analogy when you sometimes are on top of the water and you're out fishing you never really see what's going on underneath the water but mm. when you're at the bottom of the ocean and you want to get up to the top you somehow find the top because the sun's shining it might be a long way to go but you got to just paddle for that light and um, do all the hard work so mm. well said. I I sort of, um, yeah, it was a period which was really hard and difficult from 2008 to 2010. Mm. But um, we, we got the wooden spoon. There was a lot of self-reflection. There was a lot of things that we started to put back into our control in terms of our culture and standards that we wanted to set for a team. And in 2011, we jumped from bottom of the ladder to playing a preliminary final. So mm. um, it goes to show that, there was a bit of talent that we recruited in, but it was more about that team unity and cohesion and uh, ability to play to your strengths was what really got us through. Unbelievable, mate. If you if you look back at it, and it's probably hard to like name a period or a year, but what was what was the best time that you actually um, you had in that environment? Like I know there would have been lots of highs and lows, ups and downs, all those sorts of things. But when did you completely feel like you were you were uh, in, in, in flow and at your best? 
Oh, look, I, I guess individually I, I played some really strong football um, in 2006 to probably 2009, like even through the challenging times. We, we had a lot of – we had Ben obviously leave the club. We had Chris Judd leave the club. Daniel Kerr was in and out with, with his injuries. So a lot of the in, midfield – um, load was put on myself and Matt Prittis, um for a period of time before we were able to re- regenerate with some young players and, and then I went down back um, to play a small defender role. So that was, I guess, individually. But in terms of my favourite year, um, I would say 2011 was my favourite year. That uh, Although we didn't win the premiership, to be able to go from bottom of the ladder to make it to a prelim, Build it off hard work, discipline, and, and a lot of team football. It was a really defensive sort of uh, focus we had in that in that period. Um, it was really really fun to be part of that group. And although we didn't go on and win a premiership, um, it just sort of taught me a lot of lessons along the way, and, and something that I hold dear to me and, and still pass on through my messaging today. Yeah, that's that's tremendous to hear, mate. Because. Um yeah, I guess through like it, it's it's everything's impermanent, right? Like you you're at the top of the tree, then you're at the bottom of the tree. But to be able to rebuild like that, uh, and then and then see the results of that 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 process, uh, you know, would be would be tremendously rewarding as as an individual. And unfortunately, you never made it all the way to win a flag that year. But just the uh, I suppose a level of. Uh, uh, awareness and what that actually did for, to to your own growth would have been would have been tremendous. Oh, it was. It <clears throat> it um it makes you more rounded. And I, I think I was very fortunate that for me, I, I was able to find my way into a team that was on the way up that had probably done the hard yards in two thousand and one and two thousand and two. And when I started playing in two thousand four and five, I mean, look, I, I played my role. I understood what it looked like, and I definitely, you know, felt part and valued of that team. But. Um, I guess then to go down the bottom, and I, I was pretty much, you know, in in the bottom four or five teams when I was in the prime of my playing career. Mm. You had to do a lot of the heavy loading on uh, lifting on the field. Um, you had to be a strong leader um, and help guide the, the younger players through, or even some older players through during those challenging times because we hadn't seen them before. Mm. And um, and, you know, you were obviously going through that yourself where you had some self-doubt and um, there was uh, criticism potentially, you know, coming from external sources that you just had to block out and, and focus in terms of what were you doing uh, every week to prepare to understand the game and continually evolve um, to ensure that you're getting the outcomes that you want at the end of the day um, as an individual and the experiences, but also that the team starts heading in the right direction because... I always wanted to make sure when I left the club, I was leaving it in, in good hands and in a place that I was proud of. Yeah, that's that's so mature, you know, to, to, to have that realisation. Then you didn't ever took your opportunities for granted and you actually uh, moved through the uh, the system and come out of it a better person. There, there, there's no doubt, you know. It's like, like the yeah. workplace, um, you know, Adam, like I always talk about it like, Let's make an environment here so when the individual comes in, they, they're, uh, they're actually leaving a better person than what they were when they arrived, you know? Um, yep. To be able to have that culture in the workplace is um, is just as powerful as having it uh, in a sporting club. Yeah, and look, it doesn't mean that, you you know, for me at West Coast that I had to leave when we won a premiership. Uh, you know, success is not just determined through wins and losses, but... It's about the legacy that you can leave within the team, uh, the people that you've been able to mentor um, and guide, you know, just uh, the way that you conduct yourself in in around the club and uh, the off-field staff and the the simple things of saying thank you and please and picking up your towels after, you know, instead of the cleaners coming through and walking into a dirty locker room that... That were the things really in my last few years. I knew that I was starting to come to the twilight of my career, but I'm like, I wanted to make sure that those small things were really valued within the, the club mm. um, because for some reason, I don't know what it was, but I must have picked up on it throughout my time, whether someone else was doing it or um, it's just who I wanted to become. And uh, as you mature in life, I guess you see the little things a lot clearer than uh, when you're young and bright-eyed, bushy-tailed and, and got the dream just to go out and make, make the big leagues. Happen. You, you had uh, 
a level of gratitude then, which is you know, a testament to your parents to be able to help instill that you know in you as a young as a young fellow, which you're able to bring into you know into your life as you you got older. And you know it's interesting, Adam. Like, like this podcast is is out there to try and help guys. You know, uh, with with their mental well being and and their uh, their ability to be able to, you know, learn skills uh, and that from people like yourself that uh, that they can bring into their own lives and, you know, it's, it's sometimes I get people messaging me saying that they've had you know challenges and they haven't had the the um uh the ability to be able to have good parenting and that and they feel a bit jealous when they hear people that have had good upbringings and I always try and help them with that uh you know and to be able to be grateful uh for your uh your experience whether that be good or bad and to be able to use the bad experiences to help you grow as an individual moving moving forward because we can get stuck in that mindset um you know consistently and keep replaying you know the would haves and should haves and all that type of thing but to be able to um you know be, be grateful for for what's happened in, in some way shape or form than to be able to sort of you know reshape your life because if you can do that as an individual that can help so many others as well you know yeah oh look definitely and, and i am very blessed in terms of you know my family upbringing that mum and dad have always been uh, really steady um but they, they've had it they've had it hard and tough like my dad was a, a really hard worker um blue collar uh you know the money we, we weren't the richest family by any means so we really valued hard work and discipline um and i guess through those moments in life they were the key values that i did pick up out of uh, my dad uh, mm. and my mum but and respect mm. And then as you move through life, it's not just your family that shapes who you are, it's your experiences and other people that you do meet. And, uh, you know, it's quite easy to sometimes try and be, be attracted to you know, the value that allows them to live a really uh, fruitful life. But, you know, Jamie Graham is one of my best mates in life and, and he's a story that uh, is quite incredible, the, the journey he's gone on and uh, what he's seen and um, the learnings I've had from him um, in terms of resilience and how to uh, just stay focused and keep going. Uh, I, I get my, my values from a lot of people and, and my thoughts and I think it's important for everyone that... Uh, no matter, you know, obviously what your family structure is, there are some people around you that can definitely influence you for the better. Yeah, if you have that mindset or that growth mindset like you had, like what can I do, who can I speak to, who can I learn from to, to be able to help me evolve and develop because the human mind will take you back to that 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 feeling of insecurity really quickly, you know, and um, if we can continually keep walking up the ladder, like you said, like being on the bottom of the ocean and looking at the at the uh, the sunlight coming through the top, then eventually you'll start going up that way, you know. But if you're sort of swimming in the in, in the bottom, then all of a sudden, you know, you, you'll stay there. But I guess it's really being open uh, enough to to explore why am I thinking this way? What can I do to to, to divert, uh, you know, or um, uh, create a new pathway for myself so I can move ahead? And um, you know, that's available to all of us. Um, uh, it really yep. is to be able to, uh, you know, use our experiences, as I said, whether that be good or bad, to, to help us move forward and, and make the most of the life that we've got. You know, we don't want to sort of get to the end of it and sort of uh, think, what was that all about? I think we, we can really um, make changes in ourselves now if we, we choose to um, to take a path um, that, that can help us move forward and thrive and, and that can just help others, you know. I just think if you... If you've got experience, um, you know, going down a pathway and coming out the other side of it and then being able to improve your own life, that can help many others as well. And I guess that's a challenge that we've all got ahead of us moving forward with a lot of the, the things that have gone over the last couple of years, which has taken us away from the luxuries that we've uh, previously had, you know, to, uh, to, to move ahead um, with a little bit more confidence because we've been able to get through something which is taking away a lot of or taking away a lot of our uh, our rights and so forth that we've uh, we've just maybe taken for granted in the past oh look and definitely and really well said and i think um you know there's times i i, I haven't been the perfect human and uh especially with my mental outlook and uh you know you can fall uh, into that victim mentality quite a lot um or, or quite often where Things don't happen or occur the way that you need them to and, and you start blaming others and, and the situation. And 
through, I guess, experience and, and self-reflection and self-awareness that that uh, victim pathway doesn't really lead to anywhere positive. Um, you sort of don't learn too much um, and, and the same things can often keep occurring. So I, I guess, yeah, to, to go down that path uh, every now and then uh, and be reminded that uh, it's not a productive or constructive way to live your life um, and to put your energy into more positive thoughts uh, and, and I guess small goals really to um, get yourself out of a, a pretty dark and challenging place definitely the key to sustainable success and sustainable happiness where um, you're really proud of the journey that you've been on and, and know and accept that you're just not perfect. That's true, mate. I guess, you know, we, we are sort of uh, really educated to, to, to sort of fit a mould and it's being able to realise that everyone's had a unique uh, journey, a unique path, as I said, whether that be good or bad, but to be able to use that experience to to, to help you move forward uh, in many ways, whether you've been an AFL player or whether you're a farmer or whether you're a, a delivery driver or whatever that may be, you know, you, you can you can do things within your own power um, to be able to, to, to not only help yourself but help other individuals. It'd be interesting to hear, Adam, like who would be the three key influences that you've had in your life? Of the three key influences, um, Great question. I'd have to say the first one's my dad. Okay, um, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, look, look, my dad, um, he, he's just a consistent human being. Um, he, he loves his family. He would do anything for his family. Um, and and he, he'd always put us before him, which uh, was just a wonderful trait. And I guess the, the more wiser and older you get in life and when you become a father yourself um you, you'd always do it but um you know some of the things he would do for us boys i'm really happy that obviously in life we've been able to go on he, he didn't do it thinking that we we're going to go and play afl football he would have done it if we were just bendigo football players mm. but um you know that uh, that reward has definitely hopefully been justified for him uh, John Worsfold was a, a great mentor for me and someone who influenced me in terms of honesty. He was, he was great with um, just always telling me where I was at with my career and election and what he needed from me. And he was another consistent mentor that I think with open communication and, and level of honesties, I just had great trust and respect for him. And I, I would run through brick walls to this day for John. Mm, tremendous. Um, he knew that he wasn't the most strategically minded football coach, but, um, you know, we largely won our premierships on one-on-one -on -one football and a, a, an element of strategy. But um, I guess as a leader, knowing where your strengths lie and, and what you had to bring to the table to make sure you were able to build those relationships, he was then able to get those strategic minds around him that, um, mm. you know, definitely supported him into being an AFL coach. Mm, beautiful. Um and then I've had a, I've had a, a lady in my um, AFL uh, W head, head sort of management role that I had, and her name's Chantella Pereira, and uh, she is a, a, a remarkable human being in terms of um, her career and her journey. She's a four-time WNBL champion, um, and we recruited her at the age of 31 to come into our AFL program and um, help impact the culture she, the, I was able to see her at Hawthorne on BFL and the, 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 she she could just play she'd taken up the game 18 months ago I just wanted to give it a go and West Coast came knocking she she had to um, transfer her work for certain periods of pre-season her, her mum was sick with um, with cancer who she sadly lost during the season she was married but in terms of her just staying positive, and her placid nature and uh, her ability just to um, connect with a team was someone that, through female football, I was just so glad I was in that space and I was able to meet someone like Chantella because she definitely has had an impact on me and, and how I live my life to this day. Mm, tremendous, mate. Um, yeah, look, that, that's, that's, that's beautifully said. I'm sure your mum um, will, will be kicking you uh, in the backside for not giving her <laughs> a mention. But, um, well, I should have said parents. So I should have put that together. Yeah, my mum's yeah. right up there with my yeah. dad. But uh, oh, I well, needed a mix. Oh, oh, you do. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. It's a, it's a difficult thing to hone in on. But 
I see what I see there, Adam, is three heart-based leaders. So, so people that aren't doing things because they want to achieve something as individuals or outcomes, they're doing it from their heart because uh, they're doing it because it's helping others uh, to be able to to live uh, more con- conscious, connected lives. And and your dad, it was effortless to probably have a relationship with him because you you trusted him and you loved him and you know you you do anything for for him. And the same as John Worsfold, like you know. He was a heart-based leader. I could tell when I watched him coaching you guys, a bit like Paul Ruse and and others. Like they, these these weren't angry men. They're they're very very um, you know coherent guys that are that are really uh, stable and structured within themselves, and they're not yells and screamers and that type of thing. And um, you know I, I sort of I observed that period, and I know John Westfall went through a lot because of the problems that were going on, but he seemed to handle himself very well. And uh, obviously this girl uh, is, is very similar, you know, if you've been able to put her in that category or, you know, in, in that, at that level too, I'd, I'd imagine. Oh, look, you've, you've nailed it. And they didn't know I was watching. I guess for me to be really mindful and present you know, with the people that I'm around and understand what they are doing for me and the, and the impact that they're actually having on my life, um, mm. that takes time every now and then just to reflect, like, um, you know, when you ask me a question, like those three people come straight to my mind because mm. um, I did watch them, I, I observed them, and obviously there were parts of their life that I wanted to instill within. Call from zero seven. Sorry, mate. Really fortunate to be in and around people that I've just shared. And look, if you had to ask me uh, who are ten people that it could influence you, I, I could keep going, but. Um, I know uh, the listeners only have a certain amount of time to uh, take it all in. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I know you and I could keep going on for a long time about all that sort of stuff, and uh, we never even touched on your brothers yet. You know your other brothers, so um, yeah, there, there, there's uh, there's podcasts in that in themselves with regards to your experience and up, upbringing with those sorts of guys too. But um, mate, uh, it's it's amazing, um, you know, to 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 think that coming from a little country town and uh, you know, uh, going into a life that you've you, you've had and being able to sort of develop into the individual that you 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 become is um, you know uh, full credit to you and you, you need to be proud of yourself and uh, obviously with what you've been able to do to to go into coaching and then go into women's footy which job made you know back in the early two thousands we would never have even thought we would have seen that but uh, yep. to to be able to embrace it and to have the ability to um, uh, you know, try and try and use that as a platform and an opportunity to help other people, whether that be male or female, you know, get the best out of themselves, but also to use your skills to, to help them thrive as individuals, I think would have been, you know, really rewarding. Oh, it was the best job I've ever had. Mm. Um, and, and one, I think it shows, you know, how far the world changes and people often ask me, how did you end up in the... Uh, role of head of women's footy at west coast i said well to stay open to new opportunities and uh you know when, when people say that this was a role back in 2008 um everyone would have laughed at it but mm. um to be able to you know recruit a, a team that was based off culture and um you know obviously talent and work ethic was, was really important and, and one that you know that program taught me a lot about myself um you know females are were a wonderful group to be a leader of. They they listen to you. Um, they are so passionate. They're committed. They're they're semi professional. So they're off, you know, working uh, throughout the day and they roll in and um, don't take the club for granted or the opportunity in front of them. Um, we knew it was an expansion program, so it, it was going to be tough early. Mm. Um, and we we didn't need well we, we didn't want to be impacted by the scoreboard we needed to make sure that we we're going on a journey and we we're going to build something really special mm. and uh i think just the care that they were able to provide uh one another it really rubbed off on me so i often said to the many people at west coast and and those that are involved in the men's I'm, you're not a complete football person until you've had some sort of touch point with the women's program because um yeah they they go about it in a way that um can be similar to the men, but there's just some nuances that I think are just wonderful and has helped me round myself as a person. And, and fortunately, you know, I've got a young boy who's four and 
uh, we had a young daughter this year. So now that uh, when my daughter grows up, I've been in charge of 30 women, so I hope that I can keep her under <laughs> control for at least 18 years. Uh, 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 exactly, mate. Look, and that's, that's been the big learning curve for me over the last few years too, to actually understand women deeper and, uh, and understand the feminine energy, but also what women actually go through as individuals, you know, with their physical body and all the changes and all those sorts of things too has been a huge learning curve for me because I never really respected that as a, as a husband and uh, a provider and all those sorts of things. You know, I, I never never really got it. You just, uh, you think everyone's the same, don't you? But when you actually see people a bit differently, then you realise um, how, how, how um, you know, different I suppose it is. Oh, look, it, it is an amazing thing. And, you know, we had two men's coaches in my, my time leading the women's program. And uh, as, I, as I started to work through the program and understand, you know, all the high-performance elements in terms of female sport, the, the physical challenges or, or not, or the physical considerations you need to take into account are, are really evident. And, you know, the one thing when I sat down with the coaches, I said, now, look, um, coaching is about numbers and it's about you know presenting well and building strong relationships and trust mm. and part of that in female like you you haven't coached a person up until this stage who's uh had a menstrual cycle yes and knowing on that week uh potentially that you know it impacts people in different ways physically mentally through fatigue um and you just can't say oh what's up with her or um you know, uh, she's a bit flat today. Mm. There, there's actually reasons that you need to consider before you, um, you know, just go off and make any type of comment uh, to mm. a player about performance or, or how they're going. So it really, you know, uh, not didn't raise eyebrows. Our coaches were great. They were open to it. And I said, you know, no matter what you learn through these experiences in female footy, whether you keep coaching female footy or men's footy, it's just another thing like you can add to your, your repertoire in terms of coaching, in terms of building relationships, understanding your player better, and, and ultimately um, being more considerate with the way you go about your work. Mm-hmm. Mate, that's unbelievably and beautifully said uh, because you, you're dead right, and this is a huge learning for a lot of, a lot of guys out there, like just to be able to understand uh, you know, women and what they're what they're going through. So you you would have you'll be doing a talk to a group of women before a game. You know, at at any one time, you know, thirty percent, forty percent of them would have been through a or in a menstrual cycle, which would you know obviously hamper their uh, their 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 mental well being or their stability, but also their their physical capabilities as well, which you would not have been aware of at all. Yeah, well, it was quick. Like one, there was one sort of meeting that I had with a doctor. It was sort of a, a personal meeting about a, a, one of our players and she was sort of wanting to structure her, her physical makeup a certain way. And, and it just, for me, was sparked a level of, this isn't uh, what the program's about. It's just about promoting a sense of belonging. It's about security and about long-term health. And uh, that's where I changed our environment from not only just trying to be high performance in terms of obviously, you know, achieving your personal best, but creating an environment where uh, the players felt safe to understand their bodies better and, and them as people and to open up some discussions where, you know, our, our doctors came in and did presentations about female health and performance and our dietitians spoke about body image and um, food intake and in terms of when we talk about fats and non-fats, what, what's healthy fats and, and the like. So mm. rather than um, skip skip around or skirt around uh, some of the issues that do come in into women's sport and, and maybe even men's sport, we just brought them to the table so we can have the conversation and, and we can all learn and grow together. And um, I think as long as you're a leader and you can provide those moments, then um, you build that trust and, and that sense people want to be there because they know that you genuinely care and uh, you'll always have their back. Mm, certainly, they were very lucky to have you that in, in that environment, mate. And I don't think we've seen the last of you yet when, when it comes to this sort of stuff. You've, you've got so much more you can offer um, not only in a, in a coaching space but also in a leadership space and you know those guys and that that mind site uh, where you are now uh, you know talking to me 
they're, they're so fortunate to have someone like you uh, to, to be able to pass on your wisdom and knowledge to them. And, you know, I really hope that this, this gets embraced, uh, you know, more and more. But you, you've had such a, an amazing journey, Adam, and you really need to be proud of yourself to, 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 be, you know, to be where you are now as, a, as an individual, but also some of the, the great things that you've, only, you've been able to achieve personally, um, you know, professionally, on and off the field. But um, there's so much more for you to come. What are some of the things in the future you want to try and work towards as an individual? What are some of the achievements you want to try and possibly uh, you know, work towards in the future? Yeah, oh, look, I'm really open-minded with the future. At the moment, um, I, I felt probably when uh, COVID hit and uh, late last year that I'd been at West Coast for, for 20 years or near on 20 years, and mm. that was more than half my life. So to go out and get different experiences in industries where I can impart some knowledge uh, of my knowledge and my experiences, but also to learn off industries as well was something that I was really keen to explore, which has led me down a path of, um, of mining at the moment. Mm. Um, I, I'm doing some work with a private girls uh, college as well in, in the background where I'm helping support them with their sports development programs and I guess their strategy for the next uh, three years. So um, you know, female football has led me into now helping design a strategy for over 1,200 female students in, in the educational sector. And uh, that's been a really uh, great eye-opener and I've, once, I've met some wonderful leaders in that space as well. So uh, I, I'm open to where the journey's taking me. I'm uh, obviously well-connected over in WA and uh, the people that I'm talking to about future employment, but... Uh, in terms of myself and personal development, I've, I've obviously uh, got a degree behind me, but really investing and getting some balance in my life with my family. I've got a, a four-year-old who's about to start kinder next year and a little daughter and a beautiful wife. So I, I want to make sure whatever I do in life, um, it's always with the family in front of mind. Um, I can be there for them when they need me and also make them feel safe with uh, what I'm able to provide and financially and, and also with the love that I can give them. Yeah, unbelievably, unbelievably said, mate. And, uh, and yeah, so so mature of you to, to have that focus because a lot of us guys, we, we lose that focus of, you know, being the breadwinner and, and being distant from it. But if you're including them on your journey, mate, not only your life will be, uh, will be, will be blessed, but obviously theirs will be as well. And, um, and having that um, you know, as part of your strategy, but also moving forward uh, to be open, I think is really key because we can become really rigid uh, as guys and we've got to try and get somewhere by a certain time and all those sorts of things. But if you can just go with the flow of it and let it all evolve for you um, as, it, as it has and it'll continue, I think that's, um, that's a wonderful attitude to have, mate. Yeah, well, I mean, look, the, the female program really taught me about that openness and, uh, you know, I wouldn't have left the football industry or, or AFL industry with some form of uh, structure and backbone with, with the mining opportunities that were in front of me. So mm. um, uh, for me to grow and evolve, it's to continually step out of my comfort zone, um, take a leap of faith, don't leap blindly but make sure that you know there obviously is a mat somewhere down below you but uh to recognize that i think for me if i had stayed in the role that i was in with aflw my growth uh, had a ceiling um that i was i was getting close to yes. and uh you put me in a new industry and around you know different people and, and different opportunities and experiences of i've grown so much through 2021 and and that's what i really wanted to prioritize so I'm fortunate for that mindset, but um, yeah, it hasn't been easy. There's been definitely some times, especially with COVID, and when you consult, um, you always feel as though that you're uh, you're on the wheel and you're producing levels of work, and you're always trying to appease someone. So it, it definitely has come with its stresses. Yeah, no doubt, mate. But you, you've been able to get through it, and there'll be more challenges to come, mate. Like life. Uh Life will always throw curveballs at it and as in speed bumps and so forth. But if you've got your, your core right and you've got you know, your stability right, then all of a sudden you can, you can ride through them a lot easier. So, mate, um, really grateful for this chat, Adam. I think we're, we're going to have more chats in the future, uh, I think, because you've been able to d deliver and, and provide so much value for, for the guys that will be listening into this, um, you know, all throughout the country. So, um, 
mate, um, yeah, if anyone wanted to get hold of you or, you know, just reach out, what would be the best way of doing that? Uh, so my email address is adam at selwoodgroup.com.au. Um, but my website at the moment is just taking a little bit longer to uh, <laughs> get up and going, but uh, the work is there. Uh, otherwise, on LinkedIn, uh, I, I'm there uh, as Adam Selwood, uh, and, and you should be able to find me and happy for you to obviously contact me through LinkedIn. But, yeah, appreciate everyone taking the time. You know, it's been about an hour where we've had a chat and uh, wish everyone all around Australia to – to keep looking after yourself, keep growing, um, make sure you, you, you live a balanced life and, um, yeah, life isn't easy. So whether you, you do come from that broken family or you've had some challenges throughout COVID that I guess through every experience that you work through, there's always an opportunity and a positive that you can take from it. So um, it isn't easy, but uh, stay on the journey and, and be really proud of who you are and I'm sure great things will be in the future for you. Guys, thank you so much uh, for listening in. What a great uh, man Adam is. And, uh, yeah, really, uh, really, really, you know, really happy for him um, uh, and, you know, and pleased for him to be able to talk openly and honestly about his life um, and also what he experienced as a player and beyond and some of the, you know, the, the great things he's been able to do. So, um Really hope you, you share this podcast with, um, with, with plenty of others because I'm sure there's lots of uh, wisdom and knowledge which, uh, which can help everyone. If you'd like to reach out to me, please send me an email, support at outbackmind.com.au. Uh, some awesome guests coming up from all walks of life pretty soon. So keep, keep uh, tuning in. Cheers.